Hi, this is Heather from Feminist Mac and Cheese. Um, this is our first podcast. Um, today's just going to be me, but um, this is a very special podcast, kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, and since it's our first podcast, um, I just wanted to um, share a little bit about some of the stuff we plan on doing. Um, we want to highlight some of the women who are very um, influential in our lives. Some of these women will be um, self-proclaimed feminists. Some will have claimed that they aren't feminists and some haven't said any either way. Um, And they very well may not be feminists, but they are people who through the course of our lives have inspired us or um, helped us in some way. So with that being said, um, our first episode is Juliet Gordon-Low. Juliet McGill Kenzie Gordon was born on October 31st, 1860 in Savannah, Georgia. She was born to William Washington Gordon II, a cotton broker, and Eleanor Nellie Little Kenzie, a writer whose family played a role in the funding of Chicago. She is the second of six children, and as a child, she was very accident-prone and suffered many illnesses and injuries, including earaches. As a child, she was a... er, When she was born, she was given the nickname Daisy by her uncle, who said, Well, I'll bet she'll be a Daisy. She spent a lot of time pursuing art and poetry. She wrote and performed plays with her siblings, started a newspaper with her cousins called the Malbourne Started a newspaper with her cousins called the Malbone Bouquet. She started the Helpful Hands Club, where they learned to sew and tried to make clothes for the children of Italian immigrants. She began going to boarding school at the age of 12 and attended school in New Jersey, Virginia, and a French finishing school in New York. She once wrote to her mother and said, I can't keep to all the rules. I'm too much like you. I'll keep clear of the big scrapes, but the little ones I can't avoid. After her sister Alice's death in 1880, she moved back to Savannah to care for the household while her mother grieved. It was during this time she met William McKay Lowe, the son of a family friend. They began courting in secret. He left to go study at the University of Oxford, and they didn't meet again until 1884. During the time they were apart, she traveled around Europe, learning several new skills, including shorthand, bareback riding, and hunting partridge. In late 1885, William Lowe proposed. Both of the parent, their parents were opposed to, to the union. Her parents wanted her to marry someone who worked. His father wanted him to marry a titled European. When his father died, he inherited a large sum of money, and the Gordons could no longer oppose. Before they were married, she had, because of her ear infections, they attempted to treat them and when they were attempting to treat them they were using a newer thing that they hadn't really done a lot of and she insisted that they try it and unfortunately it did not work and it caused her to lose part of the hearing in one of her ears they were married on december 21st 
1886, which was also her parents' anniversary. She chose that day because she thought that um, maybe it would bring her good luck and um, she'd have a long marriage like her parents. At their wedding, there was a freak accident and a piece of the good luck rice ended up lodged in her ear. She went ahead and went on her honeymoon, but became very sick. Um, when they attempted to remove the rice from her ear, they punctured her eardrum, and she completely lost hearing in that ear. Um, later on, though, her loss of hearing actually was beneficial because when she would ask someone to do something for her, she couldn't hear them say no. Which is funny, because I was telling my Girl Scouts this story over the weekend, and they told me that I should pretend like I couldn't hear them so that then when they weren't listening to me, they just had to do it when I told them, thank you for doing it. Because that's what she did. Um, they spent most of their first two years of marriage apart due to her illness and his long illnesses and his long hunting trips and gambling. This combined with her inability to have children caused a strain on their marriage. She spent her time painting learning woodwork and metalwork, and she built iron gates for her home in Warwickshire. She also devoted time to charity work, even though her husband was against it. By 1895, Daisy was in growing increasingly unhappy in her marriage. She rarely spent time alone with her husband, who began drinking and having affairs. When she was away, her husband moved in one of his mistresses and moved her to the servants' quarters. They were going to be divorced, but before they could get divorced, um, she, or he passed away. So after he died, uh, they found that he had left everything to his mistress, Mrs. Bateman, and he left her in charge of giving Daisy an allowance. She ended up fighting this, and she won a large sum of money in the low house in Savannah, Georgia. After his death, she traveled all over Europe, and... Um, places like India and things like that in the U.S. And she took sculpting classes, and when she was working on her sculpting, she would spend eight hours a day working on it. In May of 1911, she met Sir Robert Baden-Powell, who founded Boy Scouts. They became close friends, and in August of 1911, she became involved with the Girl Guides, an offshoot of the Boy Scouts headed by Agnes Baden-Powell, Sir Baden-Powell's sister. She formed a Girl Guide patrol, in Scotland, where she encouraged the girls to become self-sufficient by learning how to spin wool and care for livestock. She also taught them cooking, knot tying, how to read a map, and first aid. She had friends teach them singing, drilling, and camping, and she thought exercise and being outdoors was very important. In the winter of 1911, while in London, she also formed two more patrols. In 1912, she and baden took a trip to the U.S. to spread the movement. When she returned to Savannah, she phoned her cousin, Nina Pape. She said, I've got something for the girls of Savannah and all America and all the world, and we're going to start it tonight. In March 1912, she started her first patrol with 18 girls registered, including one being her niece. Eventually, she wanted to rename the Girl, Scout, the Girl Guides Girl Scouts. Um, and finally, or after a while, Baden-Powell finally gave his blessing and um, the Girl Scouts became the Girl Scouts instead of Girl Guides. But the British patrols stayed Girl Guides. In 1923, she developed cancer 
but she kept it a secret. She caught the flu after an operation and was bedridden until February of 1924. When she recovered, she returned to work. She secretly had two more operations, but was told in 1925 she had six months to live. She continued her work and even snuck away to give a speech at the Girl Scout Regional Conference in Richmond. She died in Savannah, Georgia on on January 17, 1927, at the age of 66. On May 29th of 2012, she was honored with the Presidential Medal of Honor. In a letter to her mother in 1905, she wrote, I'm just an idle woman of the world with no real work or duties. I would like to get away from the world somewhere and work at sculpting, start doing some work in life. I have learned about Juliet Gordon Lowe since I was five and I'm 27 this year. So I've learned about Juliet Gordon Lowe for 22 years now. And every time I learn something about her, I learn something new. Um, I spent time reading about her over the last few weeks because I was taking my Girl Scout troop camping this past weekend and with it being Halloween on Monday and being the 31st was her birthday I felt it very important to give the girls a little bit of a history lesson and let them learn a little bit about the founder of Girl Scouts. So while I was reading about her I became it 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 actually ended up helping me again like she's she's always been an inspiration like because I've always wanted to aspire to be someone like her, to be someone who inspires girls and helps girls to um, meet their full potential and to be productive members of society and to grow up and change the world, you know, to have, you know, I want to teach girls so that the girls that I'm teaching are the ne- the, the ones to find cures to diseases or to make the next technology or to be president, you know. So it's always been very important to me. But the more I read about her and how when, er, you know, she she had money, so she didn't have to work. She could have not worked. But how she wanted to work and to do things and make a difference in the world, it really... It inspired me a lot because sometimes I feel like I get very comfortable where I'm at and I'm just happy enough with where I'm at in my life and I I feel like I can do more and I feel like I should do more and so reading about her um, has helped me with my desire to do more in life. Um, I actually went back to school on last Thursday, so that's kind of exciting. Um, but I have just always found her very inspirational, someone who set forth something that has, for over a hundred years now, helped raise girls and helped girls um, become leaders and raising girls of confidence and to have character and to have values like honesty and making the world a better place and um, respecting their countries and each other and themselves and I feel very firmly about doing the things that she wanted Girl Scouts to be. I very much want to instill 
the values that Juliet Gordon Lowe instilled into her 18 girls in her troop into the 19 girls in my troop. I hope that I could be a third of the woman that she was. Um, I know that I have a lot of growing to do to get to that point, but I try very hard. Yeah. So that was a little bit about Juliet Gordon Lowe. Um, and why she is so important to me. I think that her original goal um, was always to help girls to become their best person. And over the 22 years that I've had her as a role model in my life, I feel like each year I learn a little bit more and I feel like hopefully I'm becoming a better person as I get older. And a more caring person and saying it a lot. I think that's it for this one. Uh, we will have more podcasts very soon on more ladies. Um, some examples of ladies in upcoming podcasts that we're going to talk about. Um, China, Mary Tyler Moore, Gilda Radner, um, Valerie Harper. So, um, if they're, oh, Eleanor Roosevelt, that's someone else. Um, if there are any influential ladies that you think we need to talk about, we need to learn about, um, let us know. Um, we're on Twitter. I will put the links in the description. We're on Facebook and Instagram. And I hope to um, have more podcasts up very soon. And I hope you will continue to listen and to give feedback. And um, hopefully these will get better with time um, and practice. Because this is very, very new. And it's very odd talking to myself. But... But thank you for listening. Like I said, I will put the links to our social media in the description box. And you can find them there and follow us on all those places. And send me things you want me to talk about or us to talk about. Um, we won't just talk about people, um, laws, places, um, ideals, anything that you think that you would like to us to learn about, to hear about, to talk about, um, just uh, send it to us and we'll check it out. Thanks.